Elhamdülillahi ve kefa. Ve selamu ala ibadihi allazina istafa. Amma ba'd. Fa'udhu billahi minash-şeytanir-racim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Ve'llezina cahadu fina lanahdiyannahum subulana. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Every believer is in a constant state of struggle. Every believer is in a constant state of struggle. They struggle between success and failure, with success being Jannah and failure being Jahannam. They struggle between dunya and akhirah, with dunya being uh, the low world in which we find ourselves, and akhirah being that which is better and more lasting. They struggle between good and evil. They struggle between Allah and everything other than Allah. And the battleground for all of these struggles is the heart. The, the tug of war that is occurring in all of these struggles, this tug of war occurs in the heart. The reason is because the heart is what drives the limbs. If something is embedded in a person's heart, it will cause them to reach for the moon. Now, if that thing happens to be the dunya, then they will spare no effort in order to attain what the heart desires. And if that thing happens to be the akhirah, then again, they will spare no effort to attain what the heart desires. The whole battle for a believer, entire battle, the tug of war, all occurs here in the heart. Interestingly, the Prophet ﷺ, on one occasion he mentioned that uh, taqwa, God consciousness, the, pre- the, 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 the presence of God that drives, the presence of Allah that drives a believer to attain uh, heights in their iman, to do as much good as possible, to avoid those things which would displease Allah, that's taqwa. And the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that taqwa is here, hahuna. Hahuna meaning in the chest. He pointed to the chest. Actually, he mentioned this, and then he pointed it, pointed to the chest three times. Taqwa is here, it's here, it's here. It's present in the heart. 
So again, just a reminder that the battleground is the heart. Now, I don't think you need much of a reminder because I think it's obvious to anyone that we can simply just examine our lives and we can examine the world around us and you'll see that essentially what drives anyone to do anything is always what's present in their heart. Look, just as an example, you could give a person the best tennis racket on the planet. That is not going to make them a tennis player. You could give the person the best tennis racket in the planet. You could put on the clothing of a tennis player. You could send them to Wimbledon and they could stand in the the courts of the great tennis greats. That will not make them a tennis player. What makes a great tennis player is that they love and are impassioned by tennis and it's present in the heart. If you have a person who loves tennis and it comes into their heart, you know, their heart takes hold of the desire to excel and practice and play tennis, then even with a bad racket, they'll be able to, to, to perform well. And even if you put them on an average court, they'll excel. And even if you give them limited opportunities, they'll find a way. Now, not that they don't need proper training, but my point here is that passion has to come from the heart. Passion is a characteristic of the heart. And it's the heart that actually drives the limbs to do everything that it does. Another example. People uh, people who love Star Wars, they can watch seven or six or however however many number of episodes there are, they can watch them all one, you know, continuously. They start at uh, some time and they just uh, will watch movie after movie after movie after movie and the whole night will go or the whole day will go and they won't even know where it went. Why is that? Where is that coming from? How do people have the ability to uh, stay up all night and be so excited and look forward to something and call their friends and gather together and you know, make a plan. Where is that all coming from? It doesn't come from uh, their parents told them they have to watch Star Wars. No, it's the opposite. Their parents are telling them, do your homework, uh, you know, get some rest, don't stay up all night. It's coming from the heart. Whatever is embedded in this heart, that's what drives human beings. That's how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us. So the battle is not on the limbs. The battle is not in the mind. The battle is not on the tongue. Each of these plays their role, but the true battle lies in the heart. Now, as believers, every one of us has been given a heart. As believers, every one of us has been given a heart. And the challenge for the believer is two things. Number one, to expose it to the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that it gets ignited in the passion of Allah and it begins to control the limbs and guide the limbs to do all the things that are pleasing to Allah and it restrains from the, the limbs from doing those things that are displeasing to Allah. So that's option A. And option B is that it gets flooded with the dunya. And if it gets flooded with the dunya, then it will drive itself to perform all of the acts that allow a person to be able to enjoy the dunya. So this is the challenge for every Muslim. 
Now, how does a person preserve their heart? How do they embed the love of Allah in their heart? How do they avoid the love of dunya in the heart? That's the challenge of Islam. So what does Islam basically teach? Number one, it reminds us of the power of the heart. Number two, it encourages us to pursue everything that will bring the love of Allah into the heart. And it encourages us to do hijab from anything that will distract the heart. Another way to look at the heart, just momentarily, is to remember that it's like a cage match. Dunya and akhirah. There's a cage match going on. There's only one winner. You can't mix both. It's like oil and water. These two things don't mix. The love of Allah and the love of uh, other than Allah, these things don't mix. The heart admits no partners. Let's say it that way. The heart admits no partners. Either it's the love of Allah or it's going to be the love of dunya. If it's the love of Allah, it'll manifest itself in where the person's preferences lie in the love of Allah. One person may become a scholar. Another person may become a... Uh, qari, another person may engage the Quran Another person may make salawat The expressions can be different But the love of Allah is what's driving the person to do what they do And if it's the love of dunya Then the person will be Muddled in the dunya The expression might be Star Wars, the expression might be Tennis, the expression might be something else But essentially Depending on the person's preferences They're going to express that love of dunya in some other way so this is the battle that lies with every believer, to recognize that we've been given a heart and that we need to impassion the heart with the love of Allah and we need to protect the heart from ever being entranced by the dunya. So how do you do that? Or how do we do that? Number one, a person has to recognize that in order to impassion the heart with the love of Allah, the heart must be pure. Now, why does the heart need to be pure? Because in Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pure, wholesome, good, pure, and He does not accept other than what is pure. So you'll see, like I've mentioned many times before, anytime an individual wants to approach Allah in this deen, there's always some expression of purity that's required. You want to pray a Shah prayer? Uh, at uh, 9.57 today or at, you know, shortly thereafter, 5 after 10 today, you have to be in a state of wudu. You have to be free of minor, minor ritual impurity, major ritual impurity. Your clothing has to be free of impurity. The ground has to be free of impurity. Then and only then can you offer the prayer. You want to interact with the Quran. You want to touch the Quran. You want to engage the Quran. You want to recite the Quran. You have to be in a state of purity. You want to make tawaf around the Kaaba. You have to be in a state of purity. Fasting the month of Ramadan purifies the believer. Paying zakah purifies the wealth of the believer. The whole deen is purity. Because in the end, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pure and he will accept only that which is pure. So in the same way, the heart must be purified in order to be able to become impassioned with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does the heart have to be purified of? Number one, it has to be purified of sin. All sin must be removed from the heart because the sin is like a black dot. It's darkness. It precludes and excludes the, the passion for Allah, the taqwa of Allah, the love of Allah. So it means that, number one, we have to avoid sin. And number two, any time we make a mistake and involve ourselves in sin, 
we have to make the istighfar and tawbah. Number two, to purify the heart, you have to remove all diseases of the heart. Pride, arrogance, envy, all of these things are negatives, they're filth, they're a type of filth, which also excludes and precludes the ability to be able to have that passion for Allah. Number three, a person has to remove coarse manners and has to exchange it for adab. Adab is a test of taqwa according to the Qur'an. And number four, a person has to exclude dunya. Why do they have to exclude dunya? Because dunya is the competitor to akhirah. And dunya is the competitor to Allah. It drives a person to sin. It drives a person to waste time. It drives a person to pursue the life of this world instead of the hereafter. So these few things have to be excluded from the heart. And if they're excluded from the heart, the heart will automatically ignite with the love of Allah. The battle lies where? The battle lies in the heart. Now the exclusion of dunya is just the opposite. So how do, by the way, how do, how do we exclude the dunya? By doing hijab. How do we exclude the dunya? By doing hijab. Now, by hijab we don't mean like uh, you put on a scarf <laughs> and you sit in a corner. What I mean by hijab here is that you have to perform the concept of hijab, which essentially is the goal of hijab in the deen as well. Look, just as an example, uh, the goal of the deen is to maintain purity, in a society. So when two people are married, they have the ability to interact with one another. But to preserve the marriage and to protect the marriage from potential um, filth and infidelity, everyone is required to do hijab. Now, what do we mean by hijab? We mean by we mean modest clothing. We mean both genders have to lower the gaze. We mean that both genders have to avoid interacting in a way that's inappropriate and being alone together in a room uh, when they're unrelated, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All of these rulings are there for what? All of these rulings are there to protect the heart. This is the reason these rulings are there because the heart's so powerful that even the most pure heart, with the most pure of intention, can make a wrong glance or say a soft word, and it can become impassioned. It's a field of passion. It lights on fire. It ignites. And once that passion comes in the heart, then it will drive the limbs to explore what it wants to explore. So just as an example, I mean, a very simple example, in order to protect and preserve the purity, uh, the focus of an individual away from those things that they should not be pursuing and towards those things they should be pursuing is, is, the, is basically why there's hijab. It's one of the wisdoms of hijab in our deen. So in the same way, when a person wants to exclude the dunya from the heart, they have to do hijab. And what does that mean? It means that a person should be careful about continuously looking at the dunya. What do I mean by continuously looking at the dunya? like constantly on Zillow scrolling houses or constantly on, uh, uh, on the phone uh, uh, scrolling you know, uh, shopping websites. Now, why is that dangerous? You could say it's not a big deal. I'm just you know, looking at clothes. Fine, if that's what's important to you. But if a person's continuously looking at clothes, then all I have to do is show them something unique in the line of clothing that will come in the heart 
It will ignite a passion. The passion will drive me to the mall. I'll take my hard-earned money out of my pocket. I'll purchase that thing. I'll come home and I'll put it in my closet. Now, how did all that happen? How did that whole sequence, I'm not saying it's wrong or right, I'm just asking how did that whole sequence happen? That whole sequence happened because I happened to see something or somebody came and told me about some sale somewhere or I happened to notice that somebody was wearing something that I hadn't seen before. It looked a little unique to me so I squinted and saw the, the label on their bag or their shoe and then I looked it up on the internet. And so where's all this coming from? And I can tell you, look, there's so many things. There's probably some sale going on in a, in a Korean mall somewhere in Korea. None of you care about that. Nobody is thinking about, oh my God, I gotta get up, I gotta go to the sale, it's a great sale, there's this great clothing, because it's totally out of your purview. It's, you, you, you have complete and absolute hijab. It's not even a notion in your mind. I, don't, I could sit here and give you an hour lecture on this sale in the Korean mall that's happening today, and none of you would even care. Because you have absolute distance from it. It's not anything that's relevant to you. So where is this battle lying? This battle, where does this battle lie? This battle lies in creating that distance between us and dunya. Because we don't want to sell this heart for something cheap. We don't want to sell this heart for uh, you know, the pursuit of food and the pursuit of clothing and the pursuit of shelter. Those are things that animals do. What, what distinguishes us from an animal if we devote our heart to those types of things? We want to purify the heart of those things. I'm not saying they're wrong or right. I'm just saying they're not the goal of the believer. It, it would be a, a lost opportunity. It would be wasting uh, this beautiful um, field of, of gold and trading it for trinkets, the passing nature of this world. So you'll see that, for example, you know, the, the, in the time of the Prophet, you'll see the simplicity of the companions. The, all of the hijab that would, they would do from dunya. I mean, on one occasion, Omar radiallahu an, he, he came to the Prophet and he mentioned something about the kings of the, uh, you know, this country, the, this, this region and that region having all of this wealth. And uh, the Prophet mentioned to him, again, I'm vaguely just roughly um, translating and just recalling this on the top of my mind here, but the Prophet mentioned something to him to, him to the effect that, uh, you know, we have the akhirah and they have the dunya. And Omar radiallahu an then apologized for his statement. So what's being, what are we being reminded of here? We're being reminded of here that essentially the heart's, got, the heart's one perch. Heart's one perch. It, it, it's going to, it only, it doesn't admit partners. It's either going to be devoted to the akhirah, and a person is then going to use every uh, energy in their body to be able to pursue the goals of the akhirah, or it's going to be devoted to dunya, and a person will then use every energy there in their body to pursue the dunya. So to achieve uh, the goals of our deen, meaning to be impassioned towards Allah. By the way, the Sahaba, the Sahaba's uh, deen was essentially predicated on everything that I'm speaking, meaning their hearts were purified, preserved from dunya, ignited with the passion of Allah, and it drove them to do everything that they did. It wasn't an academic exercise for them. It was a spiritual exercise. Now, I'm not saying there aren't academic issues, but it was a spiritual exercise. It was really an exercise of the heart. The Prophet ﷺ came, he purified their hearts of kufr, of shirk, of, of sin, and of coarse manners, and of the dunya, 
And essentially what happened, the, his company, the knowledge, the Quran, everything that was present in that gathering ignited their hearts. And when their hearts were ignited, all that had to happen was the Prophet ﷺ would say X and they would do X. The Prophet ﷺ would say Y and they would do Y. It wasn't, there wasn't some academic uh, conferences that needed to be held, like, hey, alcohol is prohibited, everybody get together, we're going to have a three-hour lecture on, the, uh, on the, you know, the nuances of alcohol and why it's so bad and why we should avoid it. And here are 10 reminders that you know, in order to avoid alcohol, do A and do B, do B and do C, and you know, here's a booklet and all of the details that you need to remember. None of that was there. None of that was there. How was alcohol prohibited? Sure, it occurred piecemeal on a few steps, but eventually the date was prohibited. Uh, it was the Prophet ﷺ gave the message to a caller. A caller stood up in the masjid, made the announcement that alcohol was prohibited, and what, what did the Sahaba say? The Sahaba, the Sahaba say that they saw alcohol flowing through the alleys of Medina. They, they saw alcohol flowing through the alleys of Medina. What does that mean? It means that with the mere call of a caller, with the mere call of a caller to just announce that alcohol has become prohibited, those who were actively drinking it, possessing it, uh, enjoying it, making it part of their pastime, which was much of Medina at that time, even amongst the Muslims, they all had the same response, such that everybody's dumping alcohol in the streets and the streets of Medina are flowing, the, the alleys of Medina are flowing with alcohol. How does that, how does that type of um, behavior arise in an individual? What is that predicated on? Is that predicated on some sort of academic discussion about alcohol? Is that predicated on some sort of conference that occurred? Is it like you and me, some people tell us 20 times what we should do and we still don't do it? No, because their hearts were impassioned. Their hearts were in love with Allah. Their hearts were conscious of Allah. If they knew that there was something that they could do that would allow them to come even one step closer to Allah, they desired it more than anything in the world. And if they knew that there was something that they did that would somehow even distance them from Allah by a thread, they would not want to, they would not want to have anything to ever do with that. Everything was about the love of Allah. So of course, the Prophet ﷺ brings to them the sharia, and as he brings to them the sharia, which is coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the whole sharia becomes easy for them to carry on their shoulders. It wasn't that the sharia was dropped on them and then they had to work 23 years for them to carry it. It was that they became impassioned with the love of Allah. The sharia was then revealed slowly upon them and they were able to carry that weight so easily such that we literally stand on their shoulders. They not only carried the weight of themselves, they carry the weight of 1400 years upon them. We, we use them as models today. We look up to them. We use them as examples. Where did that come from? That came from the heart. It's all a battle of the heart. They had purified their hearts. They put themselves in the appropriate environment. They came in the company of the Prophet ﷺ. They avoided sin. And when it happened to arise, uh, perchance they would make tawbah. All of this resulted in a pure heart, which became impassioned with Allah. And by the way, I mean, like little, little spurts of this are seen everywhere in today's world as well. I mean, you, you go to a person and you tell them that, hey, there's a new uh, pizza place. Man, the pizza is so amazing. I don't remember the name, but it's something like uh, Surge. That's, you just say that much. The person will leave the masjid, go to their car, 
type on their phone, Surge Pizza Amazing, okay? And look at all the possibilities, figure out what place it is, and we'll go there for dinner on the same day. Now, how did that happen? I just said three words to the person. How is it that I said three words to the person and it completely altered the next several hours of their life? And perhaps not even that. They may go there once a week. Who knows? Where did that come from? How did that happen? That came because their heart, when I said something, it went in their ear, which then is a passageway to the heart, which then found a little bit of space in that soil, which then ignited and impassioned the heart and drove the person to go and do, to act in that way. Not saying it's wrong or right, I'm just saying it's a simple sign of the heart. And if you tell another person who could care less about uh, pizza, that there's this new place, they just look at you like, what are you talking about? It goes in one ear, it goes in one ear and comes out the other because his heart's not receptive to that. So Sahaba are competing with one another. They're competing for one another for what? For the love of Allah, for the highest place in Jannah, for the, everything that's possible to avoid Jahannam. And as they're doing that, it's all a battle of the heart. So a simple reminder to myself and to, to everyone here today, we should recognize that the most valuable, the most valuable soil on the planet here. You know, like they say, like uh, uh, location, location, location. When they talk about real estate, people think that, oh, downtown, it's got really, really uh, expensive and uh, worthwhile real estate, or uh, some different parts of the city have really valuable and uh, unique real estate. But for us, the most valuable real estate here is, is here in the chest, in the heart, location, location, location. Why? Because whatever is placed here in this heart drives the hands, drives the eyes, drives the ears, drives the limbs. If the love of Allah is planted in this heart, then prayer becomes pleasurable. The Quran becomes uh, unique and an opportunity. The love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala drives the person to do so much good. And if the love of, if, if dunya is planted in the heart, then every passion of the dunya will land on the soil of the heart, ignite the heart, and drive the person to do what they didn't even expect to do four hours ago. They see an advertisement for a purse, and they're driving to the store to find the purse. They see an advertisement for a basketball, now they're driving to the store to find the basketball. They hear that um, their favorite player is joining this team, so they have to have the jersey. Where is that coming from? It's coming from the heart. The, the soil of the heart has given space to these types of things, and it impassions the heart. And by the way, we don't get to control which passions get ignited in the heart. I can't say, like, I'm going to, ignore, I'm going to interact with everything, and when the, uh, this, something from the dunya comes in the heart, I'm going to quench it and quell it, and when something from the akhirah comes into the heart, I'm going to allow it to drive me to... Uh, to, to what I'd like to perform or what I'd like to be. No, the battle doesn't lie there. The battle lies in the entry points to the heart. Meaning, we have no choice but to do hijab from everything other than that which we can be comfortable with. Either it's a need. I mean, I need to work. I need to earn a living. I need to have shelter. I need to have clothing. 
Um, it's a need, in which case I admit it into the heart because it's something that I'm going to do for the sake of Allah, recognizing that Allah has given me this body and I have responsibilities towards this body. Either it's a need or it's something that is going to be beneficial for me. So uh, sometimes people think, hey, it's not a big deal. I'm going to go window shopping. It is a big deal. Why is it a big deal? Because it affects the heart. Some people think being online is not going to make a difference in the way I behave. 100% it's going to make a difference in the way we behave because every time we look at something, every time we tap on something, every time we hear something, every time we think of something, it goes into the heart. People think, I can watch TikTok video after TikTok video. I'm a Muslim. It's not going to have any effect on me. 100,000% it has an effect on you. 100,000%. Because... Every time somebody says something, does something, uh, talks about something, advertises something, it comes into the heart. This is where the battle lies. So to bring the heart in accordance with the love of Allah so that the limbs submit and begin to express Islam, and to protect the heart from the love of dunya so that the limbs don't, don't submit and don't express sin and filth and desire for the dunya, the battle lies here, and it lies in hijab. So we keep hijab from everything that we don't want to come in this heart, which on one level is ghayr mahram, and on level two is the dunya. And we expose this heart to everything that will, that will inspire it towards Allah, which is what? Look at the sun, look at the earth, look at the moon, look at the sky, look at the ground. The Quran is constantly telling us to do all these things. Why? Because when you do all these things, and there's some degree of purity in the heart, the, the, the vision of the moon, the sky, the earth, the sun, the ground, the seas, will come into the mind, will be, the mind will be amazed and mesmerized, will enter into the heart, and will force a person to the worship of Allah. In fact, isn't that what we say every day? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise is due to Allah, Lord of the words, Lord of the worlds. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin, Iyyaka Na'budu wa Iyyaka Nasta'in. You alone do we worship, and you alone do we see. Because it's step one, two, three. Step one, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. That, that, that's where it starts. So, the soil is here. The paths to the soil are the eyes, the ears, the, the, the sensations. All of these things lead to the soil. And every time we look at something, it tries to hit the heart, and it tries to uh, take hold. If the heart's full of dunya, we can look at the sun, we can look at the moon, we can look at the skies, we can look at the ground. They'll just hit and fall. If the, if the heart's filthy, we can do all these things. They'll just hit, but they won't take hold. They'll fall. But if we purify the heart and prepare the heart and till the soil of the heart, remove the weeds from the heart, then simply looking at the moon can force a person to, uh, for simply looking at the sun can force a person into sajda. Looking at the sky forces a person into sujood. Looking at the ground mesmerizes a person to say subhanallah. That's the essence of deen. So again, in summary, every believer is constantly in struggle. We struggle between good and bad. We struggle between dunya and akhirah. We struggle between Allah and Allah. We struggle between um, success and failure. 
And the whole battleground for everything in the life of a believer is the heart. If the heart's kept pure and its soil becomes receptive, then it's very easy to impassion it with the love of Allah. And if it's impassioned with the love of Allah, it desires to do everything that will bring it to Allah in proximity to Allah. And it will hate and abhor and, uh, and run from everything that could distance it from Allah. But if we fill the heart with dunya and filth and sin and coarse manners, then each piece of filth from the world around us will take hold. Every song will drive us to dance. Every advertisement will cause us to buy. Every uh, billboard will force us to eat. And we become animals. We just become animals chasing this desire from this desire to this desire, never satiated. By the way, that's the, that's the funny thing, is that the heart that's invested in this world pursues all of its desires, but never becomes fulfilled. Why? Because desires have no end. It's a bottomless pit. It's a bottomless pit. Every t I have a desire, you drop me at the door of that desire, I fulfill that desire, it leaves me with two more. I eat a good pizza, I want to find the next good pizza. I'm not going to be happy. I make $100, I want to make $200. I make $1,000, I want to make $2,000. I make $100,000 a year, I need to make $200,000 a year. You can bring me to the door of each of my desires, it only opens up the door to wanting more. Desires are never fulfilled. But the beauty of the heart that's invested in Allah is that it attains serenity and peace and approach, it reaches what? It reaches the pinnacle for which it was created. The pinnacle for which it was created is what? Is to love Allah, is to have exposure to Allah, to desire Allah, to be driven towards Allah, to connect with Allah. This is why the heart was created. This is the receptacle, this is the vessel, this is the place where everything occurs. So the challenge is in our hands. It's not hard, like I said, it's not hard to achieve what we aim to achieve, but we have to do a few basic things. Leave sin, do hijab from the dunya, refine our character. Just a few things again off the top of my head. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who are able to appreciate the reality of our hearts. May he make us amongst those who are able to purify these hearts. May he make us amongst those who are able to do hijab from the dunya and those things which uh, are low and despicable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And may he allow us to impassion our hearts with the love of Allah such that we're able to please him in this world and receive his reward in the hereafter. Wa akhirat da'wana. Anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.